This is CliffCentral.com. This is Disrupt with Mpumi Club, powered by T-Systems. Good morning and welcome to Disrupt with Mpumi Club. Thank you for joining us today um, on the show. Uh, for those that are joining us for the first time, on this show we talk about disruptive technologies, disruptive business and disruptive business models and how they are shaping and changing the way that the world functions today. And we try to get insights into some of the discussions and topics that are being discussed and really to understand how they're impacting our lives, our businesses and our society at large. Um, and we do this through in-depth conversations with our guests that join us on a weekly basis in, in, on the show. But before we get to our guest, um, we've got our feature uh, with Dumi. Dumi, welcome to the show again. Good morning, everybody. How are you, Mpumi? I'm very well, thank you. I'm thank you for great, joining thank us. Thank you. Um, uh, and you know, before we get started, just to say thank you to our sponsors, T Systems, for making the platform possible. For, do me for joining us. Um, our guest for today is uh, Vanessa Masilo. I'll introduce her a bit later on. Uh, she's already in the studio with us. Yes, uh, we'll be introducing stuff. her and talking about what's happening in her world. But before we get to that, um, trending news. What's happening out there? We had a very nice conversation before the show. Yes, and there's three big stories that you wanted to yep. share with us. A couple from Silicon Valley. Mm-hmm. A couple of things happening here locally. Yes. Um, what, what what do we need to be aware of that's happening? It's quite exciting stuff actually today. Um, so today, our great Elon Musk, the visionary, the South African the that South we are claiming, yes. <laughs> is launching. A rocket into space So I mean This is quite exciting Because the whole of Silicon Valley Actually the whole world Is watching this Right um, Because he is planning To launch a man On a Mars mission In the next 10 years Within the next 10 years Within the next 10 years Obviously okay. uh, Richard Branson Is trying to do this um, In the next uh, 6 months Well in 2018 Which is quite of an ambitious <laughs> Exercise Because he wants to Actually go to space okay. But going back to Elon Musk So today he is launching under his SpaceX company, um, a, a rocket, a heavy rocket into space. So basically, he this will be the most powerful launch of a vehicle. So he's launching one of his vehicles, the Tesla Roadster. This is actually interesting. Oh, so they're launching a vehicle into space. Into space. Okay. I know. <laughs> interesting. Hey. So this is basically going to be the fastest car in the world. Essentially. It's essentially. Yeah. And so they're going to launch it and launch it to where? Is it just going to go up and come back down? Where's this vehicle going? No, 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 no. It will remain in space for the next thousand years. However, actually, they are hoping that the, 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 the part of the rocket will come back and land safely. Okay. But, um, basically it's, it will remain in space for the next thousand years. Okay. That's, that's what they say. How's that different? I know he's launched quite a few spaceships and, uh, recently, I mean, and I know his mission is to be able to launch a rocket and mm-hmm. then safely land it again so that they can reuse it. Yes. Because the biggest cost apparently of space travel and space missions is the rockets. Yes, that's very true. Um, and so what's, what's different now? Well, Obviously, as you know, from since he's he started these missions from 2013, and he's failed since 2013 to actually launch anything into space. So basically, he says in his statement that uh-huh. as long as it just lifts off the path, he sees it as successful. Okay. So um, a lot of eyes are on this because nobody has actually done this, you know, as as an individual. Yes. Um, obviously, you know, he's a very ambitious and uh, a visionary of note, mm. and he's trying to do this obviously to prove that he can basically launch anything into space. Yes. Um, uh, launch people into space, launch cars into space, launch whatever into space. Obviously, NASA has been the one 
entity that's been doing this over the years. Yeah. But you found a lot of tech companies or digital companies investing into this. Uh, like we said, uh, Richard Branson earlier from Virgin Galactica, he's got his own company where yes. he's going to be launching people into space. We heard a couple of years ago, a particular company in the US were launching people into space, but their clause was, you're not coming back. So <laughs> basically, it's a one-way ticket. If you want to see the world, you want to see the galaxy, that's great, but you're not coming back. So there's a lot of this. Obviously, the the, the mission is to basically travel in space in mm. future. Mm. So have people travel in and out uh, and orbit and, and come back safely. Uh, but for now, we're just hoping that it actually launches. So yes. it actually, it's three parts, right? So there's three parts to this space rocket or, 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 or that, that he has. The first two, the first launch, the first phase stage of the launch will be two parts. So the rocket will split into two parts. Okay. And then the third part of the rocket will actually launch with the car into space. I see. So all eyes on this. There was a press conference that, that was held. Jeff Bezos is also looking at this. The uh, likes of Microsoft, Bill Gates are looking at this. Obviously, everybody's looking at it from a perspective that if this is successful, they will like to actually uh, partner with um, uh, Elon Musk on this. So, I mean, for us, it's a big thing. Obviously, it's a South African, great South African story for, yes. from, a, from, from a South African person, Certainly. but it's also a big thing for technology um, 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 because he invests quite a lot of money. I mean, if you remember what he did, he took a hundred million of his um, after he, he sold his first company mm. and then put it in to actually SpaceX So this is a big investment for him And he is not uh, a stopping Until he makes sure that he gets it right mm. So that's a big story right now um, In the world with regards to Elon Musk okay. uh, I mean I just want to make a comment there. You know, What I do know is that um, The big thing for Elon Musk with, with all the stuff that he does Is, is really to say I mean, there's no such thing as a failure. So obviously yeah. there's lessons learned incrementally mm-hmm. in everything he does, but also a lot of the, a lot of the new technology, because, you know, to do this type of thing that hasn't been done before, you kind of need to invent stuff yourself yes. to make it work. And fail. And fail. So, so, um, you know, if you look at what they've done now with, um, you know, they, they're into energy, into the energy space, into the solar energy space, they're into, you know, these massive batteries that are running cities in Australia. Mm-hmm. And, and essentially what they're doing is they're taking all of the learnings. That, that, that they've, that they've had through, um, you know, uh, the space endeavor and all the new tech that they develop from that perspective. And they actually bring it into everyday, whether it's the new car, the electric car, and making them more efficient, making them, you know, drive for longer range, mm. or there's their new pet battery power. So I think it's quite exciting the fact it that is even exciting. if they don't in our lifetime manage to, you know, populate Mars, but I think the lessons learned and the new technologies that will be developed within that process is actually what's going to make the biggest difference to our lives in our lifetime. So fantastic. One to watch. Yeah. I mean, if you look at it from which will lead into our next story, how to make sure that we have vehicles or modes of transport that are uh, driverless. Mm. So self-driving, electric, obviously green yes. uh, 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 entities or cars or objects that you can basically use to travel anywhere without being limited. To a road I mean we have seen videos Where um, you find that A lot of these Flying cars Or flying trains Or flying buses Are all up in the air And this is basically According to 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 If you look at organizations Like um, um, the World Economic Forum Which we were talking about The other day mm. But you're talking to Microsoft You're talking to the Amazons This is a reality In the next 20 years so you will not be able or you will not need to drive a car over the next 20 years because somebody else will drive it, which leads up or to our machine. next oh, yes. machine, <laughs> artificial intelligence, right? A robot will be driving your car. Um, our next story. Yes. Moving on. 
Uber versus Waymo. So basically, as you know, Waymo is a Google company that was founded way back in 20, in 2009. Okay. And then recently in 2000, well, 2016, they became independent. Um, and Waymo basically are manufacturing self-driving cars. Right. Okay. They're actually currently in Phoenix, Arizona, in the States, doing a POC where people can actually raise up their hands and say, guys, I, 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 I want to actually become a test subject okay. <laughs> for yourself driving cars. Okay. However, they've done a lot of, um, um, pre POCs before then, actually years worth of that. Um, and, and what they've basically done is they, they are launching cars on the road right now. That drive themselves So they don't need a driver And um, you basically put in your location So this is where I want to go And they will just, you know, get you to, to, to that place uh, um, uh, safely um, What they've done over the past couple of years as well Is um, they've, they, they are claiming So the, the, the basic problem that they are um, fixing Is that they're claiming that na- more than 90% of accidents Are caused by human error Okay. Right? And human behavior. So on the roads today. On the roads. So that's what they're trying to curb, right? So if it's a driverless car, it's basically um, um, controlled by artificial intelligence, and it's it's safer, right? Because there will be less casualties. They've proven right now that they almost almost zero casualties okay. with the test that they've done, but they're getting to a point where they're saying there's going to be 100% less casualties because what they do, they put sensors on these cars. This is how it works, right? They put sensors around the cars and they can detect any object that come that comes close to the car. Okay. And if they feel that an object is close enough, they will it, the car will actually automatically stop or there will be a warning sign that warns other cars that, listen, this danger is, impen- is pending. So at, at, at the moment, they're doing this only in the States, but they're looking to launch over the next three years um, to many different countries. But obviously, there's a huge investment from Google. Now, the big story is not Waymo. So okay. they have launched driverless cars. So that's exciting, right? They're actually the, one of the only companies that are actually on the road, right? Now are testing these driverless cars The big story is that Uber Allegedly have stolen this idea Right yeah, so, this has been a story that's been developing for quite some time. Yes, the court case actually started yesterday, okay. right? Between Uber and Waymo. So this is the biggest case in Silicon Valley. So in the digital world, this is our thing, right? Everybody exciting watching this thing. So what's basically happening is there's a particular employee that was working for, for Waymo, right? Mm-hmm. Who basically stole the IP. Allegedly. Allegedly allegedly stole the IP (laughs) and got hired by Uber. And then Uber took this IP and used it on the strategy to basically also develop driverless cars, which they're doing right now. Mm. So Uber is saying, we've got this great global taxi business and we don't own any taxis. As you know, they're the biggest taxi industry or global taxi uh, uh, company and they don't have any taxis. So they're like, okay, we're going to use this technology in our apps mm. with the, 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 the cars that are in our network. And we're going to make sure that they are driverless as well. Right. Okay. So they're using and testing this, com- the, the, this technology now. Now, the, the, the biggest issue was the employee that was working for Waymo that left and started his own company was bought out, was bought by Uber. And then they used his technology to basically develop this. Now, Waymo are saying, no, 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 you're not going to do that because that is our IP. Yes, you, you hired that employee, but you shouldn't have used it because that was dirty. So they're basically calling each other evil, dirty. It's, it's, it's basically not good right okay. now in Silicon Valley. And basically the big fight is to say to stop Uber from using this IP. 
and to stop Uber from using the rights to actually continue developing driverless cars. Um, so, so back and forth is going to be the CEOs taking the stand. The, 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 funny enough, the, the person in question, which is, um, a, a particular, you know, I, I don't know, even know how to pronounce his name, uh, his surname. So it's Anthony Levad. Lewandowski. Okay. okay. Anthony basically will not be part of the court case because they've ruled out that he's, they've said that he's not actually the issue. The issue here is ethics. So Uber acted unethically and that's why they shouldn't be using this technology. Very interesting. Interesting. However, this, this brings up, I mean, you, you're a tech guy. You, you're a legend uh, uh, in, in this game. You know that, right? We, IP is a big thing mm. in our industry. Yeah. Everybody's patenting their ideas, but the, What's coming into question now is the value of IP. Yeah. So if, if Uber is saying, but we were doing it anyway, it's actually not necessarily your IP. You were not even though you're first. We also went into this and developed it. Um, so you can't stop us from actually continuing with this development, but Waymar like, no, we're actually going to stop you and we're going to stop you from actually developing anything in, uh, in future. Mm. So now the question of IP comes into play and you know, Silicon Valley is huge on this. So everybody, that's why they're having their eyes on this because wherever this court case goes will determine the future of the whole intellectual property, uh, and, and patent, uh, world in Silicon Valley or in technology altogether mm, in the world. Mm. So that's why it's such a big story. And I think it's also big because there's a lot of, um, name calling back and forth yeah. and, and, and unethical business. And we know Uber, right? We, we know Uber has been going through it's a hard time. time. Well, it actually takes me right back now. to, um, a couple of years back. I mean, yes. we had the big, um, um, IP wars between Samsung and Apple. Mm. Um, which is still continuing, by the way. still continuing. Mm-hmm. And I know uh, Samsung at some point paid, you know, some fines and, t- tune of a couple of billion dollars at the time so you know the message i guess for me is that you know um technology and what happens in the real life in the real world whether it's ethics whether it's it's how you conduct business Mm -hmm. you know they they intertwine so as much as we talk about artificial intelligence and all these fancy terms to the extent that there's people involved there's always going to be an aspect about you know are we doing business in the correct way you know are we handling ourselves appropriately and it's always interesting when these cases come about that we start to see the fabric of what makes up. I mean, you know, these companies are two particular ones. I'm sure there's many other cases, you know, uh, maybe not to the same size, but you know, the that go through the same thing. Yeah. So mm-hmm. as we, I mean, it, it goes broader. So as we start to adopt technology, as we start to transform and disrupt the world that we work in, the aspect of people, you know, the aspect of are we doing things correctly? The ethics is such is such a relevant thing that we can easily lose sight of. Yes. And that's why, I mean, Uber was in trouble, um, last year uh, when the, those sexual harassment allegations came out and Mm. how they handled it. And Mm. they, they lost a a lot of market share, Mm. which they managed to get back, uh, over the past, I mean, year. But they lost a market, a lot of market share because they were not ethical. Well, the, 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 us as, Public citizens yeah. They were perceived To not handle the situation The way they were Supposed to handle it So the, mm. that, that, that was the biggest thing And and I mean Ethics is a big thing uh, In business in general yeah. Something like that Could sink A company Absolutely. I mean We're talking about Steinhoff right now There are many companies That we can talk about That basically have Basically fallen Into the trap of We're not going to do things Ethically But right now They know where to be found mm. Okay Fantastic We'll watch that one as well Yes So uh, our last headline For today Is is about Going back to cryptocurrencies Right mm. I mean we've talked about Cryptocurrencies Blockchain I'm still investigating A friend of mine Thinks it's all gambling um, <laughs> And it still remains to be seen So as we know 
everybody's talking about cryptocurrency, investing in, in exchanges. BitPesa, okay, is launching in South Africa okay. in the next couple of months. Now, that's not the real story, okay? I mean, think about this. BitPesa is basically claiming that they are uh, allowing companies to trade cross-border, right? Okay. Through using Bitcoin technology. Okay. Like, which is also a form of cryptocurrency. So they're currently operating in Uganda, Tanzania, Nigeria, and in multiple South, uh, uh, African countries, and um, uh, in 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 uh, Luxembourg and the UK. Um, and and they're looking to extend into ten markets. So they they're currently in ten markets now, but they're looking to extend their presence. So they want to come into South Africa. They're coming into South Africa. No, they don't want to come into South Africa. They're coming into South Africa. The, so so look at this, right? The company has grown twenty four percent month on month, not year on year. Month on month, right? And they're trading volumes of $10 million per month. So this is quite a big company, right? Mm. And they only founded in 2013. Fantastic. So it talks about right now uh, how, how quickly a company can grow from startup and in less than five years become a company, major player, a major player in mm. the market. The big dispute here is um, Bitcoin or cryptocurrencies are still unregulated. Now, we've had debates about this to say... South, Saab, South African Reserve Bank are looking at ways to basically incorporate cryptocurrencies or blockchain technology into um, the market, right? Yes. Into our currencies. Yes. I mean, Russia are leading the way and um, other developed countries in terms of doing this, but Africa has not really warmed up to this. So the biggest thing is why would this company feel that they will be successful in South Africa and many different countries. Kenya has recently rejected them and saying that they're not going to entertain them as much as the other Kenyan companies that are actually using BitPesa, right? Okay. They're very successful, um, but the, the biggest issue is that they're unregulated still. Okay. So, and as you know, Bitcoin has been losing ground over the past couple of months. Quite a lot, a significant market share has declined quite significantly. So we're looking at how do you regulate um, this industry with the Fluctuations in price, right? How do you control it? Because you don't control it, right? It's a digital currency mm. that you can't control. Mm. But I think the biggest thing is they're coming into South Africa and they're saying they're giving South African businesses the ability to be able to trade anywhere in the world, right? Without going through the regulatory yes. uh, processes. <laughs> yes, yes. So we haven't heard anything um, from, from the Reserve Bank about this, but I mean, they're not the only company that are looking to do this. We haven't heard anything from the Reserve Bank as yet, but we will be keeping our eye on them, on BitPesa. I mean, they are successful, as we know, yes. but we're looking at to see if they will be successful in South Africa. They've been in, uh, successful in other, other countries in Africa, mm. but will they actually make it in South Africa? And how much ground will they actually Take or, or, or gain over the next couple of months after launch. So mm. that 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 is a big story that we're looking at right now. You know, my view on this one is that it's it's not a case of if; it's a case of when. True. You know, so the the legislation and and the you know the governing authorities might not be ready right now, but you know, our cryptocurrencies um, or blockchain blockchain technologies as a way of you know managing cross border transactions is that going to become the new norm, I say absolutely. The question is only about when. You know, um, there's going to be so much pressure, and um, how, and how. You know, because also remember, there's just margins that are lost in between. So there's going to be so much pressure from from civic society, from large corporates, from small businesses. You know, which are really fueling um, the number, a large number of, in particular, the African commun- um, economies. So I think there's going to be so much pressure 
that the lawmakers are going to have to create means and ways to accommodate the ability to use, you know, cryptocurrencies or whatever other blockchain related technologies might be there as, as a means of transacting. But the banks are not going to go down without a fight. And I mean, you know, the banks, right? They, yeah. they, they, they're going to have to figure out how they play into this, but they're losing quite a lot of uh, uh, ground and market share mm. because of digital currency. So if, if they haven't figured out how to, you know, Embrace this technology They're definitely not going to allow us to do it mm. Because they will make sure that they have a hold On your central banks Until further notice Because obviously it's a game, right? Yeah, of, yeah. of who owns more of market share Or the currencies or the trade that's going on Between countries, never mind between people That was the biggest thing, I think, with regards to this Yeah, I mean, the banks I guess you can defend your territory But for how long? <laughs> Yeah, remains to be seen. It, it remains to be seen. Mm-hmm. Uh, a simple example, you know, if if you recall how defensive the the telcos were, um, I mean, you know, um, uh, BlackBerry is not around anymore. But you know, when BlackBerry mm-hmm. we started to say, no, but well, how can they make it free and mm-hmm. just give you a bundled fee for getting all that free texting, etc. So it was quite controversial at the time. But now it's almost like the norm. And yeah. WhatsApp. And Remember WhatsApp. How, when, how, when WhatsApp. When BlackBerry launched their yes. voice, um, over the IP network, mm. they've resisted, but now it's common cause. You can make calls on WhatsApp or you can make FaceTime calls, whatever the case may be. So I think over time, it's not a question of if, it's just a question of when. And I believe the banks are maturing and understanding that obviously you defend as long as you can, but you better make sure you've got an, your own product or your own offering that that's going to come. So that at least you can then engage the market. There's a profit-making business. I yeah. mean, um, a lot of people have become millionaires over the past couple of years through blockchain technology, through cryptocurrencies. Mm. So the question is, are we going to continue allowing this to happen unregulated? Because if the banks come into play, there will be fees involved. Mm. There will be all sorts of things that exactly. will chow into that profitability that people are enjoying right now. Mm. So, and, and, and the freedom that companies have right now to trade will also be kind of limited and restricted if you put in laws and regulations in place. So, so this will actually be interesting in terms of how the Reserve Bank uh, plays along with these companies that come into, into South Africa and are looking to do the similar things as BitPersa. Fantastic. Thank you very much. Thank, Thank you. Thank you, Dumi. Okay, so we're now going to welcome our guest, uh, Vanessa Masilo from Clear, from Crystal Clear Visions Holdings. Good morning, Vanessa. How are you? Good morning. I'm good. How are you? Very well. Thank you. Thank you for joining us in the studio this Thank morning. You for um, me. we had quite a, an interesting but brief conversation before the show. Yes. Just about you and your background and, and how you got to where you are. You started as an accountant or as an accounting student. Maybe uh, yeah. just take us through a bit about who you are. Um, first and foremost, Vanessa is um, a young mother to a beautiful, gorgeous six-week-old baby girl, oh, Radilwe. <laughs> so shout out to my daughter. <laughs> I can add mother to my title now. Oh, fantastic. Oh, yeah. um, look, I'm I'm a I'm a young woman from a small town in the Free State called Bares. Okay. Um, Vanessa is a driven, dynamic, ambitious businesswoman, um, philanthropist. I have a passion for people. Um, youth activist and a woman empowerment act, uh, advocate. I strongly believe in women and I am all for women and, um, men are trash. Viva. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> so, so let's, let's, let's talk a little bit then about how you've come to where you, I mean, your, your business at the moment, primarily, um, you, you deal in the occupational health and safety space. Correct. And we're going to talk in depth about that, but you started off studying accounting in, in the Val and then you've kind of 
Yeah, you deviated from that. Look, yes. Um, that's, that's how I started. But, um, you know, I always tell people I was, I was forced to study accounting, honestly. And, and that's why I didn't finish. I'm a, I'm an accounting dropout. Mm. Um, I left my degree with only just two modules left before I complete. So that just goes to show you how much I, I hated it, you know? <laughs> I mean, with two modules before you get your degree, really, yeah. I was almost done. But initially I wanted to study actuarial science, but my maths wasn't so great. Um, I didn't get an A. Um, I think I got a B, if I'm not mistaken. I'll, okay. I'll stick to the B story. <laughs> but yeah, um, so I got accepted for a BSc in mathematics and my dad was like, my child, you know, you're too young to go to Johannesburg and fend for yourself. So stay at home and study accounting. Accounting is a good degree. You'll be a professional. You get a good job. You know, the typical mindset of, 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 of our parents, you know, yeah. go to school, get an education mm-hmm. and, mm-hmm. you know, um, okay. Get a decent job Yes So that's where it all started And um, Whilst I was still in varsity um, You know I started doing Community service work I started working with charities I started working with Old age homes You know I started doing um, Charity work in, in December During school holidays okay. You know Okay Over and above that I grew up in a home Where my parents Are literally mom and dad To everyone most people in the community, you know, so I grew up in a home where people would come in and knock and my parents would open their doors with, with open arms, you know. So I grew up seeing my parents help people a lot. And I guess that's where I adopted the, you know, that's where I got the spirit of Ubuntu, as uh, I call it. You okay. Know? So whilst I was working um, with my charity projects, you know, that's when I felt the need um, to do something over and above just studying and hoping to get a job one day, you know. I always say that my inability to make a difference in society crippled me because guys, to be honest, in order for you to help people, you need to be resourceful. Absolutely. If not have the resources. Absolutely. You know? Yeah. And, you know, I always listen to people say, no, you don't have to have money to help people. The kind of problems I want to solve need money. Mm. You know, I'm talking free education. I'm talking um, skills development. I'm talking creating jobs. You need money to help people. Mm. And that's why I started my company. You know, I was just a student thinking, how can I make extra cash? Because I'm tired of begging, you know, people like Pumi, for example, guys, give me donations, you know, Mm. and you promised me. And I'm tired of begging people. So I need to take this thing into my own hands because this is my passion. It's not your responsibility to understand why I feel the need to help people. Okay. So that's how I started my company back in Varsity. Ah, okay. And then um, you were involved in the technology space at some stage, but for a very brief period, you said? Yes, I was involved in the technology space. Um, I actually worked for an ICT company. Company, two ICT companies. Ah, okay. What were yeah. you doing there? Um, I was project managing um, small, small, small projects in okay. the finance space because I have a finance background. I see. So shortly, shortly after I got my results <laughs> in my final year, when I flunked the two modules, I decided, you know, I need a gap year. I need to take time off taxation and accounting and economics and I just need to breathe. Okay. So I took my chances and I applied for jobs, you know, randomly in banks, um, in, in, in private sector companies. And to my surprise, I, I got callbacks, you know. I had three interviews in January and I got two jobs and I was spoiled for choice. Fantastic. And you will not believe the one job was actually a job at a bank to be a teller. And the one job was in an ICT company to do project management. And I took a chance and I, I took the, the job in the ICT company. Mm. And when I got there, the project I was supposed to manage was a finance project. So because of my accounting background and it actually tied very nicely together. So through working for those ICT companies, I, I, I grew, I kind of fell in love with ICT. 
Okay. But I understood that, look, you need to be knowledgeable. Yes. You, you can't take your chances in that space. Yes. You know? Yes. So yes. what I then did was I identified opportunities. I identified the right people. And I collaborated with the right people. Okay. To grow that side to of your business. To grow that side of my business. You okay. Know? More, or rather to establish that side of business. Okay. So I saw an opportunity. I knew the right people. I spoke to the right people. And we worked together to establish KKV ICT. And look, we did a couple of projects here and there. Um, but, you know, like I said, with ICT, you need to be very knowledgeable and skilled. And I, I never studied anything in IT. So I don't think I was going to thrive anyway. Hence, I... Parked the bus a bit. Okay. Look, but um, I'm an opportunist, and I always say that should an opportunity arise in future, I'll definitely grab it with with two hands. Fantastic. You know, anything that has M money, I'm there. <laughs> <laughs> so then, I mean, you said then you stumbled upon what is now the biggest part of your business. Correct. Which is uh, occupational health. Occupational and health and safety. Yeah. Yes. Um. So let me take you back to when I started. So I started out supplying cleaning materials. Okay. I started off supplying cleaning materials okay. and cleaning products. Okay. Um, so crystal clear visions. The crystal clear part um, spoke to the the product at the time. Okay. So you know, with cleaning materials and cleaning product, y- your company name has to almost it, it it needs to make sense. You need to you need to sell the product before the person actually knows what you're doing. Yes. So the crystal clear part spoke to crystal clear, clean, speaking span clean products, the cleaning parts, and the virgins part. Um, was was a personal thing. It, it described Vanessa as an individual, as a business person. I'm a visionary. So I thought, okay, crystal clear visions. P- it might not make sense to people, but five years down the line, when I'm a multi-millionaire, billionaire, actually, <laughs> you know, they'll understand. Okay. So um, I started out supplying cleaning materials, um, cleaning materials to stationery, stationery to office furniture, office furniture to PPE, personal protective equipment, your Gumboots, your overalls, your okay. safety hats. Yes. And through my engagements with my clients I was supplying to, you know, they always used to ask me, um, do you have safety offices? Do you have t- safety offices? You know, and I, I'm a very inquisitive person by nature. And I felt like, okay, no, if, if, if people keep on asking me about these safety offices, clearly there's a need for these safety offices. Absolutely. Let me do my research and see what it is that, you know, and at the time I had a partner I was working with who, was at, she she actually had a bit of safety background and she was like yeah v why don't we establish um this unit you know and that's when i established the ohs unit okay and i started offering it as as an extra as an add-on over and above supplying the ppe i would also tell my clients look if you ever you need a safety officer if you ever you need, i've got the services i've got the people and Believe it or not, you know, they started using my services. And that's how I, I established the, the division in the company. Okay. And that's how I started taking it seriously because of the demand. And, and then you today, went on, and you went on to study it as well. Yes. Today it's the biggest revenue maker in my company. Okay. And, you know, when you start seeing the success and when you start seeing that something is working, you then take it seriously, you know. And I, I look, I, I'm all for education. I might be an accounting dropout, but, you know, I always say to young people, um, if an opportunity arises for you in the entrepreneurial space, if the entrepreneurial bug bites you, mm. put it on hold a, a little bit longer. Finish your studies. You know, don't let successful dropouts like Vanessa and Steve Jobs make you think that education is not important. Mm. You know, education is really important. So, over and above seeing the money side of the business, um, I felt I needed to have a formal 
education. You know, I needed to study it and understand it um, holistically and fully and not just rely on managers and professionals in the space to come into my company and occupy the space. Mm, you know, mm. I need to be able to sit in a meeting and be able to brief the client and not rely on my OHS manager to, you know, Absolutely. to own the space. Absolutely. So I actually studied it um, at UCT. Um, I did a short course on it and it wasn't easy at mm, all. Mm. But, you know, I'm proud of myself. I started something and I finished it. Yeah. And yeah. So, so let's talk about, I mean, the importance of, of OHS. Um, you know, we, we were talking earlier about, you know, the, the bridge that collapsed on the M1. There was that other building in the south of Johannesburg that, that also collapsed. And, and there's been a few other examples. And, and that's the space that you guys play in. Am I, am I correct? Correct. Look, um, protecting, protecting the, 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 the health and safety of employees and, and the public at large is our main priority. Yes. Um, you know, we, 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 we can't just allow the public or even, or even employees, you know, to be affected by clients' activities simply because they, there's a target that needs to be made, money needs to be made, budgets need to be spent, you know. Um, at the end of the day, these people working on sites are fathers, you know, they're mothers, they, 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 they're heading families and, you know, they're human beings. Yes. So it's, it's, it's very important that over and above the money aspect, um, we look at the health and safety of employees and we, we acknowledge that the industries and the environments they're working in are quite hazardous. You know, they're quite dangerous. Yes. And should there be any possible hazards that might arise, you know, we need to make sure that we mitigate the risks as soon as possible and we create and we put measures in place that ensure that everyone is protected. And at the end of the day, you know, you as the client walk away with your money and your employees also walk away with their lives. Yes. Basically. Yeah. You know, and, and has that space evolved? I mean, you've, you've, just entered it. I mean, you've been a few years. Have you seen it evolving? I asked you earlier on about, you know, is technology playing a big role in that space? What are you seeing at the moment? Um, look, the, the, the space is evolving. Um, well, for, from my side, as, as a young black female mm. who owns a company in the OHA space, you know, I'm one of the very few people I know. Maybe there are other people I, I wouldn't know, but the space is evolving in terms of um, more, fe- more, more female OHS practitioners are in the space, are, are, are in the space. You know, okay. more, more female, um, OHS practitioners are, are coming on board and, you know, they're taking on the, what, what, what I can call the hard jobs, you know, that, that men would, would, would ordinarily be carrying out. So it used to be a very male dominated industry, but it's evolving in the sense that females are starting to come on board okay. and they're starting to embrace females. So from a gender, Gender equality perspective. Yes. The industry is evolving and, you know, it is transforming. Okay. Um, from a technology perspective, in a sense, yes, it is because in my company, we've got, um, systems that we're using. We've got applications that we're using to perform our audits, to do our reports, you know, so it's not a, it's not a, it's, it's not on a very high scale. Yes. But we are incorporating technology into the business and, you know, it is making our lives easier. It is saving us a lot of time, mm. which is the main reason why companies incorporate ICT, you know, efficiency, um, to save money and to save time Yeah. at the end of the day. So me, I just want to bring you in here because, yes. you know, what, what's starting to occur to me is things like IoT sensors. I went to um, uh, a, a conference a year ago 
and there was a company that that was manufacturing safety boots and mm. one of the big you know manufacturers and they were talking about wanting to put like sensors in the boots so that for check in check oh, out wow. you know so you don't have to clock you know when you clock in so they know exactly where you were obviously also with with uh, health and safety you need to know where people are on site mm. are they where they're supposed to be mm. Things like for stores, you know, from a security point of view, who went into the store, who mm-hmm. came out. So they're actually going to fit into the clothes, mm-hmm. uh, the boots in particular. They were going to fit these sensors. What do you make of that type of thinking? I, I, I'm all I'm all for technology, <laughs> obviously. But I think we, we, we're evolving in a stage where manual work is no longer relevant. Mm. Technology is making, you, you did mention it, our lives easier. And and I, I love the fact that you're actually passionate about it. You're passionate about making sure, and you studied it. And, and, and I don't want you to be saying drop out anymore because you're, you're, you're still studying and you continue to study. Yeah, but anyway, <laughs> for me, I feel it's a big thing in that safety is the number one thing that every company, I mean, I've worked with a number of, of companies and multinationals. Safety is the number one thing that they're concerned about, mm. whether they're in that industry or not. Yes. So you're talking about every single industry, mining, whether it's it's accounting firms, anything. If As long as you reside in a building, you actually need to take sa- safety. And prioritize a, and it. And prioritize it. Mm. So for me, if you're looking at sensors, right? Mm. Um, sensors are important because instead of clocking in and clocking out and th- doing things that can be manually uh, 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 would compromised by human beings, sensors allow you to track somebody wherever they are. I mean, at the mines right now, they're using drones. So instead of taking people down into you know the mines okay. and underground, mm. they're using drones to do uh, to survey the land, okay. right? Which, Which means is a safer option. It's a yeah. safer option. Yeah. People track don't have air to, quality, yes. all that kind of stuff. Yeah. S- soil quality, all of that. What what is in there? So for me, by by embracing technology from a safety perspective is a much better option mm. than basically using people. And mm. the sooner we get to to that and embrace it, the better. Obviously, people are like, so how is technology affecting and impacting the industry? People are looking at it negatively. But you've just said it's actually a positive thing. It is a positive thing. But here's the flip side. You are now taking away the human capital element, mm. right? Mm. And you're introducing technology. Mm-hmm. Now we all know that everyone fears that one day robots are going to take <laughs> over. They are, by and the there'll way. be nothing left for us human beings to do. You know? So, so, so at this, it's, 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 it, look, there, there are always pros and cons, but mm. you know, we, we need to acknowledge that South Africa is currently facing, um, a, a, a huge problem of, of unemployment. Yes. Now with, with, with the rise of technology, what are we saying? Yeah. Where are we going as a nation? Mm. Look at it are we ready to embrace it? Mm. Is it wise to embrace it? And are we, are we, are we saying that, okay, if we, if we, if we're introducing technology and if we're going to embrace technology, um, we'll, we'll replace or we'll, we'll substitute or su- are we creating other platforms for human beings, you know, professionals to be, to be useful and, and to be occupied and employed, mm. Mm. you know, so. Bumi has actually talked about it and we, we've been talking about, it. I mean, in the industry, um, the, the big thing is skill and the unions are up in arms about the fact that technology is replacing, but the fact that we, we've actually mentioned earlier, it's either you embrace it or you don't. And if you don't embrace it, what is the impact? True. So artificial intelligence is here. It's a re- re- reality. Robotics mm. are here. It's a mm. reality. For me, we're looking at repurposing right now. So taking the very same people that you're using right now and repurposing them and giving them technology skills. Because right now, technology 
is is the biggest thing that is happening. Like every industry needs to embrace it. So instead of those people being unemployed, you reskill them in mm. technology to do the very same job but in a better way using technology. So so the the, the conversation is not about unemployment. The conversation is about how do we upskill mm. the very same people. And right mm. now we don't have those skills. So in your industry is even worse. <laughs> so how do you take the very same people and you make sure that you make them more relevant and and and, and more? I think I like that. prone to that. Mm. I think I like that. Because I look, I, I'm a, I'm a social entrepreneur and I do what I do. Look, okay, of course I want, I want to be rich and, you know, successful, wealthy and yeah. successful and leave a legacy. But over and above that, um, I genuinely am concerned about, you know, the social ills that, mm. that, that we're facing as a country and, you know, poverty being one of them. And, um, I, I, I tie employment. You know, to all the social ills Because, look, if we're all employed And if we're all earning a salary I think life would be, you know Some easier to to, to a certain extent mm. So with that said um, Most of my businesses Or rather in all of my businesses I, I, I try very hard to, you know To employ young people um, I, For example, in one of my businesses I I actually, I'm, I'm overstaffed You know, I've got more staff Than the work that's required but because I'm a social entrepreneur, you know, I think to myself, look, we, 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 we need, we need to create employment for people. You yeah, know, yeah. we, we can't rely on government. We can't rely on private sector. Entrepreneurs are problem solvers, you know, and one of the main problems we need to solve is the unemployment rate, mm. you know. So I, I, I embrace technology, but at the same time, I still say you've got concerns. I've got concerns. Yeah. you know. I th- and to be honest with you, your concerns are valid. It's not just you. Mm. Um, you know, <laughs> it's a conversation that comes up with with every guest we have on the show. We mm. kind of at some point get time. into that discussion, and the re- the reality is that it's one of those things that we have very little control over. What mm. I mean is that you know things are moving at such a rate. I mean, we spoke earlier that we. We now want to launch a car into space. We want to launch people to Mars. We want to go colonize Mars, etc. So, you know, the rate at which these things are developing and evolving is rapid. And I think the aspect for us is how do we create space for ourselves mm. within that, um, so that we can still be employed, you mm. know, so that we can still um, do meaningful work. Because that's another very important factor: is that is is the work that we continue to do. Is it meaningful? Is it enriching? Is it stuff? Is it going to help us grow our economy, or is it just going to be like kind of hand to mouth type of work? Mm. Yeah. So, but I, so I just want to now get into you, one of your other businesses that you're doing, which is uh, you're about to start manufacturing in the free state. Um, yes, correct. And, and it's part of I think your social entrepreneurship thinking. Yes. Um, tell that us a little an, bit about that. That is an exciting project. Um, you know, you can see my face lights up when I talk about it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's an exciting project. Um, I'm launching in two weeks. Um, the date is not confirmed yet. I'm launching in two weeks. Um, but look, it's, it's one project that I, that I always say, this is, this is, I'm at my proudest moment right now. You yes. know, I'm at my proudest moment because I am hitting, listen, all birds with one stone, you know, yeah. not two birds, but every single bird that is out there, I'm hitting with one stone, you know, um, I'm solving, um, social ills. I'm creating employment. Um, I'm giving hope to young African kids. You know, I am just, look, this project is, 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 you know, it's, 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 it's very close to my heart. Can we talk about it? Yes. Okay, sure. Yes, please. I just wanted to, to express that. <laughs> She's very <the> passionate. passionate. <laughs> so I will be manufacturing sanitary towels for disadvantaged schoolgirls. I mean, as we all know that we have a problem in our country where young girls can't go to schools because when they're on their periods, you know, um, 
look, they can't afford sanitary towels. Yeah. And I felt that, um, over and above the, the money aspect, and I'll always say this guys, because I truly am passionate about it. I'm not just, you know, over and above the money aspect, think about the many lives you're going to touch. Think about the many lives you're going to transform and change, mm. you know? And, um, I started out, I started out getting donations from people and then going to schools and donating the sanitary towels to these kids. And, you know, it hurts because you, you go to a certain school, you give them a supply for six months, six, seven, eight, eight months later, you get a call again and, you know, they're back to square one. Mm. And I thought to myself, Vanessa, how can you create a, a, a sustainable, um, solution, a permanent solution that's, you know, that, that's, that's long term and that's sustainable, mm. you know, and over and above everything, something that is something that you have complete control over, you know, I, look, right now I don't need to go to anyone to ask for donations. Mm. I am freaking making these things, mm. you know, I am mm. producing, I am manufacturing for these girls, yeah. you know, I own the entire value chain. Mm. So for me, this is a solution and, um, I really cannot wait to see the smiles on those little girls' face when I rock up with my own sanitary towels, you know, that I made for them. It's, 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 it's amazing. Mm. It's amazing. And, um, I'll also be employing a lot of young people, a uh, majority of which will be young women, um, because I believe in women and because I believe that you empower a woman, you empower a girl child in a village, you empower the whole nation. Absolutely. You know? So um, I really can't wait to roll out this project and um, I'll be back with free samples for you guys in the next two, three weeks. Awesome. So, and have you started yeah. manufacturing already or are you still setting up I've the started, infrastructure? I've, I've started manufacturing already. The infrastructure is up. Everything is ready. We're just waiting to launch. Okay. And... Um, yeah, so I've, I've I've basically started manufacturing. I've got um, people I've employed already. They've done the training, so we're ready to hit the ground running. Fantastic. Do me your kudos, you kudos to launch. you. I, I, Thank I you. think for me, <laughs> as a woman, uh, um, uh, when you go to schools, I mean, I interact with a lot of young people, and when you see this happening, and sometimes you feel like, you know, you go back to it's square so overwhelming. one. Yeah, you have to beg. You go to to the retailers, and then they tell you about pricing. So for me, big up to you. And from a job perspective as well, actually empowers a lot of young people. So we're not there's no monopoly. So you're basically disrupting you the industry yes. because you're taking something that's been monopolized by certain brands mm-hmm. and you're giving it to people who are really in need um, and especially young people but are you looking at different so so are you, are you going to extend it what is the vision what is the dream are you going to extend it from sanitary uh, towels or just keep to sanitary towels for now what is your vision what is the dream that you have look the the, the sky is not even the limit you know and with that said the I already have a second project in the pipeline mm. um, in the manufacturing space, which I don't want to disclose now, okay, yeah. <laughs> you know, but I'm definitely not going to limit it to sanitary towels only, you know, um, with regards to the sanitary towels. Um, my, my aim is to basically tap into the African market okay. and um, other countries overseas. You know, I, I don't want to, I don't want to keep my product as a local product, you know, I want to expand and, and take it into other countries. So there's a lot of work to be done in that space. But in the, in terms of manufacturing, 
that's not where it's going to stop. This is just the beginning. Mm. So there is something in the pipeline that's coming before the end of the year. Okay. But you guys will invite me again and I'll (laughs) tell you about it. (laughs) I think, you know, for me, besides, which is very important, the social benefits that you've articulated. Besides that, what I like about it is, I mean, you mentioned it earlier, you know, becoming, you know, uh, an industrialist, you know, so the fact that we're building uh, capacity, Mm. you know, infrastructure at whatever scale it is, you know, uh, we're you know, locally, you know, so we're creating product here locally in the country. Also in an area, Kwakwa, I mean, it's not a very extensively developed part True. of the world. There aren't many job opportunities it's there. It's very impoverished. Um, so to be able to create also, you know, alternative routes for people in that area, you know, that model, if we can replicate it on scale across the country. You can and have for women. Very, for, of course, of course. You can have a really big impact in terms of shaping the economy mm. going forward. And over and above, you know, the project itself, guys, we're talking skills development. You know, the women who'll be working in my factory, look, whether or not I'm there, I exist, I die, my project fails, they'll have a skill that they can use for the rest of their lives, mm. you know. And I think that's the greatest gift you can ever give to a human being, the ability to fend for oneself and, and, and to work and, you know, to provide for themselves. Yeah. So for me, that's, that, that's really amazing. You know, I mean, even if I was creating a, a three month or six month contract for them, at the end of the day, you walk away with a skill that you can knock on, on the next door and say, I have this, you know. So I'm trying to give hope to women who have lost hope, mm. women who are dropouts, you know, women who never got the opportunity to even get to high school, you know, women who are heading child, they call them child headed households, you yes. know, women who, Whose parents have died, you know, from HIV and AIDS and from 11 years of age have had to take care of their siblings, you know. So I'm giving hope to those women and I'm saying to them, we can do this, you know, Mm, we can mm. do this. And the African dream is no longer the African dream. You know, it's a reality. And some of us are here. We're going to show you that it's possible. And as we rise, we're going to take you with. Mm. So it's like I said, this project just touches my heart in a way that no one can ever imagine. So... And I'm your, definitely and your going vision to make a success for, of it. For the country and for the continent, I mean, you're doing a lot. You know, you're working in different spaces, but what, what brings it all together for you? You know, my, my, my vision is to work towards, um, more than anything, exposing young people, young business people, you know, to opportunities in Africa, to opportunities overseas, you know, because I believe that there's so much we can do. I feel like we're so focused on doing business locally. That we fail to see that there's so many opportunities abroad. Mm. The problem with us, um, young South African entrepreneurs is that we fail to innovate. You know, we're focused on being the middlemen. Mm. It's about where can I buy this product, rebrand it and sell it to the next person. Nobody wants to make something. Nobody wants to think outside of the box. Look, no idea is new. We are all just reinventing the wheel. I'm not the first person to come up with sanitary towels, mm. but I'm the first person to say, okay, instead of buying, um, Chinese sanitary towels overseas and rebranding. Let me make it from scratch. Let me learn the skill. You mm. know, let me, let me start something from scratch, build it and, 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 and own it. So my vision is to expose young South African entrepreneurs and African entrepreneurs, you know, to opportunities abroad, but at the same time, inspire them and say, guys, let's invest time and energy and resources and research and development, you know, let's spend more time trying to find problems that we can create solutions for, mm. you know, instead of just getting on the gravy train and trying to get that overnight success and that, you know, let's try and move away from the tendering system and, you know, let's, let, let's be hardcore real entrepreneurs. Let's make things, let's create things, you know, there's Silicon Valley, 
where things are created on a daily basis. You know, yeah. ideas come up. We need that in Africa. We need that in South Africa to be precise. So for me, if I can see young South Africans, African entrepreneurs going out there and making things happen, I'll be, I'll be happy. You know, if I can see another Vanessa having a head office in London for crying out loud, that'll be, <laughs> that'll be awesome. That'll be yeah. fantastic. You yeah. know, we need to move away from the mindset that look, we can only make it here at home. No. There's there, there's enough cake for all of us, and let's just be open minded. Let's travel more. Let's let's invest in finding actual problems that need solutions. Mm. And you speak a lot about doing things uh, differently. Um, so obviously you you are disruptive by nature. If I if I can put it like that, <laughs> she's I believe it. So. <laughs> uh, so if you were to just distill what do you believe is the essence of your what makes you disruptive, how would you define that or describe that? Um. I'm disruptive in my own, in, in, in my own little way. Um, my, my industries and my spaces don't really require me to be, you know, too disruptive. Uh-huh. But, um, I always say that, look, being disruptive is, is basically being different, you know, offering something that is already there, but doing it in such a way that you create, you, you automatically create the competitiveness and you make people who are in the space uncomfortable, you know. So there's really nothing special about me. Um, but I always say that um, having started a business with no capital, no resources, my personality sold me, you know. Um, Do you have a disruptive personality? Uh, uh, no, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> you know, my personality, my personality put me here and, and I, I'm here because I could, I could talk to people, you know, I could, I could see myself as successful before I was successful. I walked the walk. I talked the talk before I was it. So, um, if you believe in yourself and, and if you see yourself there and if you are not intimidated by, by people who are already there, mm, you know, yeah. you will realize your dream. You will become it, you know? So that's how I was disruptive. You know, I was this young, small little girl who would go to all these events with all these big business people, rocked up with my, Cheap business cards, you know, spoke of dreams and, and, and ambitions and visions that I had. And, you know, I just, I, I, I became it before I actually became it. So I think that's how I was disruptive in nature. And look, it worked for me, you Absolutely. know, I'm because, inspired, I, because I, I could run a business with no money mm-hmm. and I could, I mean, when I started my business, I ran my business on credit. So I would come to you, sell a product to you, go to Dumi and say, um, to me, I've got this client, you know, this is how much they're willing to spend. Can you give me some sort of a credit agree, uh, arrangement? I'd get the products from her, sell them to you, get the money from you, pay her, use that profit, save it. And that's how I got to, gr- to grow my business. So there was really nothing special about me. I didn't get any funding from anyone. I don't have rich parents, you know. All I had was a dream. I believed in it. I believed in myself. And I told myself, look, you've got the big personality. You can speak to people. You're not shy at all. So let the speaking work for you. you Fantastic. Know? Thank you so much, Renata. Uh, thank, thank you for you. joining us. It yeah. was amazing talking to you. And thank you. And continue <laughs> mentoring young women in your industry. Because I want to see a lot of Vanessa's running around. <laughs> Will do. Will do. Um, that was Vanessa Masilo joining us from Crystal Clear Visions Holdings Company, focusing on the occupational health and safety space. 
uh, about to launch uh, a manufacturing company in the sanitary towel space and other products to come. So really, we've enjoyed having you with us on the show. Thank you on the so much, guys. It's always, it's always <laughs> nice talking. You know, we, we typically, you know, deal a lot with people about technology and in the corporate mm. space. So when we get entrepreneurs on the show, it's also mm. quite energizing. It gives mm. us a different perspective of what's happening in, um, in our country and on the continent as well. So yes. thank you very much. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you, um, To our sponsors, T-Systems, once again, for making the platform available. Um, a really great thank you. You can follow them on www.unoutsourced.co.za to find out more about T-Systems products and offerings and how they can support large corporates and even entrepreneurs in their, in their ventures. Um, Vanessa, your company, how do they, or how do people follow you or get hold of you? Um, I'm on all social media platforms. Um, Instagram, Twitter, it's Vanessa underscore Masilo. Um, and my business pages are on my Instagram page and my Twitter page. So, okay. Yeah. Thank you very much. if I mention all of them. Not a problem. <laughs> um, thank you very much for joining us on Disruptive and Women's Apple. Have a wonderful day. Thank you. This is Disrupt with Booming Club, powered by T Systems. This is CliffCentral.com.